What is up and welcome in to another edition of Talk and Flock, a full mingo podcast talking all things forward Madison FC. My name is Jeremy Rushing. We're on episode 18 and alongside me now for all 18 of those episodes, it is Rob Chappell from Madison 365. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing great. In a very good mood today. Yes. Yes. Can't help but be in a good mood when your team comes up on the uh, win side, uh, especially when it's hasn't happened in a while. So yep. <laughs> uh, we will talk. We will talk, actually technically two wins this week. So we'll talk about both of them. Um, uh, but before we do that, got to let you know uh, that you can subscribe. Please subscribe if you have not uh, on your preferred podcast platform. Go ahead and leave us a rating and review if you could over there on Apple Podcasts as well. You can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, interact with us there at talk and flock and yeah two matches one of them counted uh the other one was fun though uh and so we will start with uh the friendly against minneapolis city Mm -hmm. um this was very interesting um you know me being in the twin cities um and having the other ten thousand pitches podcast um Mm -hmm. i i've no i've grown to know a lot about minneapolis city know a lot about their ownership, their coaches, some of the players um, they've had, they put out for this, for this friendly, the youngest squad they've, I don't know if it's the youngest squad they've ever had or the youngest squad they've had in five years. Cause they've only been around five years. So maybe they had a really young squad in their first year. I'm not quite sure, but I'm pretty sure it's at least one of the youngest squads they have ever put out for a match, um, which is really cool in and of itself to have that opportunity. But of course, on the other side, Ford Madison gets the opportunity to put out some guys that you don't get to see very often as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the six nil scoreline, while that's fun and that's great, it really is about getting, getting these guys pitch time, but also more so this friendly than I think any other one I've seen getting these, these fan bases and these supporters groups together. There's so much overlap in the fandom here in the twin cities between Minneapolis city and forward Madison. So it's really cool to see, the, have the opportunity for those groups to sort of interact and get together. Well, it's, and it's, what, it's, what I love about Minneapolis is that it, well, in Twin Cities is that that there's such a strong lower level soccer culture there, and mm-hmm. it didn't go away when your lower level team became MLS. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, Minnesota United has this cultivates this big, huge fan base and really strong culture, and and gets and joins MLS, but the the rest of the lower level I don't know, love, excitement, enthusiasm remains. And Minneapolis City is coming is now finished with a very, very successful season, right? Yeah. So, they went to the final eight of the yeah. NPSL. Um, they were actually ranked number one in NPSL's nationwide power rankings mm-hmm. pretty much the entire year. So they they really are seen nationwide as kind of like the pinnacle of lower league soccer. Yeah. Um so it's 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 no surprise that they get to have these opportunities to play against you know USL League One type competition, but it's also really really cool to see when that stuff actually comes to fruition. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of a fun sort of reward at the end of a good season to come down and mm-hmm. and play against a professional club, and uh, you know you take a beating, I guess, but that's you know that's all right, uh, and and to and to bring your fans down and just have a really good time, and and now yeah. we're making, you know, we're making connections, and the, those everybody came down in this game is now going to be a fan of Madison and. A lot of Madison folks will be following Minneapolis City, but uh, but you know the 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 Mingos did hang six on the board. Uh, yes, and if I'm not mistaken, six different guys scored. Is that is that right? Am I remembering that right? I, I believe Malloy. so. Yeah, Aaron Malloy had one. Uh, Christian Enriquez 
Ryan Sierkowski both scored in the first half. Off two scored in the first half. Uh, Jesus Perez scored in the second half. Tyler Allen scored, and then uh, Leroy Enzugusi, who was on on trial with Madison, uh, finished cool. it off in the 60th, which is very cool to see. Uh, so you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, um, a lot of good energy, and and maybe Madison gets into the habit of remembering how to score. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I have in the notes here. Well-timed confidence yeah. boost, particularly in yes. scoring goals. You know, yep. while this friendly, you know, you, you expect, you know, as good as Minneapolis City is, you know, A, they're still kind of a, a, a level below. They're in the fourth tier, you're in the third. But also, I mean, everybody's playing younger guys too. Um, so a 6-0 scoreline isn't necessarily um, surprising. Uh but it is good to see, you know, when you have the opportunity to sort of put a really crooked number on the board and put a lot of goals up, um, that can really, really help your confidence. Like I said, just remembering to do it. I mean, seeing the ball go in the net, no matter how it happens, I mean, it, it yeah. helps, right? It helps yeah. a lot. Well, and, and, and Madison was not that dominant over Milwaukee Torrent, which mm-hmm. is a similar, similar level team with Minneapolis City. So it's nice yeah. to see them really be the professional side there. Uh, but that, you know, yep, that was absolutely. on a Tuesday night that provided a nice little boost headed into the weekend where we had the, the Henny Derby on Saturday. Yep. One nil um, win for the Mingos. Yeah. And um, this is you know, whoever, whoever coined that phrase, like it doesn't have to be pretty, you know, a win is a win. Like this is the game we're talking <laughs> about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was muddy. It was, you know, it was really, really. I mean, it was entertaining soccer. It wasn't boring, but it was not the, it was not clinical. I would say it was not clinical, but it was not sort of that, that really, really sharp, uh, pristine soccer that we've actually seen a lot of in USL League One this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. We really have seen a lot of skill. Um, this was a, this was a defensive struggle between the boxes for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that in the stats, you know, not a lot of shots on goal, not a lot of chances created. Uh, not a lot of offsides, not a lot of corners. You know, it was it was really a, a and the the possession was basically split down the middle, fifty fifty, but it mm. wasn't really in long runs of possession. You know, there were a few yeah. a few times where when you know Madison would have it for four or five minutes, you know, they had the better of it for a brief period of time. But it was it was very back and forth. I felt like, and it was really um, well defended on both ends. To be honest, yeah. like the the. the the zero zero scoreline at halftime felt right. You know, it, it was, it was frustrating still, obviously, but, but still, um, but felt appropriate that, that Richmond was playing really well defensively, even though Madison was really on the front foot for most of it. Rob, I think Carl Craig listens to this podcast. Oh, and I'll tell I you why. That. I think, he t- <laughs> I think he took, I think he took my advice. You think so? What's one thing I've been saying about the lineups for Ford Madison? Could what do they need to best? do? Put your best scoring chances on the field at the same time. Put your best 11 scores on the field at the same time. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean throw a striker in a defense, but, you know, put a, put a lineup together that, that puts as many of your best scoring threats on the field as you possibly can. And yep. I think they did that against Richmond. You have Perez and Enriquez on the pitch at the same time. Um, yep. you, I mean, you're basically putting your best 11 on the field. And that's all yeah. I've really asked. Like, just give me your best 11 on the field at once. I understand super subs. I understand their strategy to it. But to me, 
you're no matter what your starters are going to be the guys who play the most minutes. They're going to have the most impact on the game, get them in, on the field and get them playing together and just start your best 11 guys. And yeah. I really think we saw that from Carl Craig, put his best possible 11 out there to start the game on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't pretty. Um, the result was there. And also they didn't really, as, as we just mentioned, they didn't really sacrifice anything in defense either they defended extremely right. well no, match. They did. uh yeah um, looking at the lineup when it, when they first published it i was like this is the most talent they've put on the field at one time i think yeah because enriquez was uh out with an injury for a few weeks he, he's back uh jiro unfortunately who, who he would be the sort of 11th to put on there uh, he's going to be a couple more weeks with his knee uh so you know maybe he'll be that spark to to get hot right at the end of the season we hope, but uh, but it was a really talented 11, and you could see it, the energy, the pace in the midfield. I mean, if, if there are any listeners who have not yet been to a game, I suggest you go to one. I suggest you go to the flock end, get right down on the field and see the – you see close up the pace at which these guys play, which is yeah. higher than you would expect in the, from a third division, right? It's very mm-hmm. fast, very dynamic, very physical, um, which it was really fun to watch. Um, being right down on their field with my kids. I was, um, uh, we were down in the flock end when Aaron Malloy, who we'll talk to in a little bit, uh, very nearly scored. And we were actually kind of on the other side. And, and it looked, from where we were, it looked like it went in. Uh, yeah. This is like the 23rd minute or so. He gets a ball, like he always does. He gets a ball, he holds up right at the top of the box and just unleashes a, a, a missile. And, you mm-hmm. know, it went, and it had Fitzgerald beat and it went wide by, a foot or two yeah and from where we were it looked like it was in and we were all jumping up and down and then and obviously it wasn't in but but it was um classic Aaron Malloy chance at goal and and that and then um Enriquez had one uh a similar shot that, that Fitzgerald was able to handle uh so Madison were created we're creating the chances the only real mm-hmm. chance Richmond had in that first half was very early on in the second or third minute and Phil Brino made a, a spectacular save on it and um I did it I did it again, Rob. I forgot to plug the interview at the beginning of the show. I forgot to say who we're talking to, who's coming on. And you mentioned it. Aaron Malloy is going to be – we're going to talk to him in, in just a little bit. Um, Rob and I actually already talked to him. We're going to air the interview here in just a little bit. Um, really good chat with Aaron, so yeah. stick around for that. But, yeah, I mean, he does not get cheated when he puts his foot on the ball and goes towards mm-hmm. goal. Like, he – he. Uh, it's like a rocket coming off of his foot pretty much every single time. He's had a couple bangers this season. That one goes just wide, but you're right. I mean, uh, Madison, vintage forward Madison, at least for this season, on the front foot, off the bat, getting the better of the chances. Um, and so that really did set the tone. Um, and Madison, like you said, they're playing with a ton of pace. And that, to me, is when they're at their best, when they just yeah. get the ball and go, right? It sounds – yep so simple and we say it so much but really what it, com- what it comes down to they get the ball and they're full steam ahead off yep. to the races and and that's what we really, saw at the beginning of the first half yep we had they had really good ideas really creative runs clever runs uh you know the good uh vision on, on you know trying to find through balls and trying to be direct um and and just unfortunately the the final pass just wasn't quite there a lot of times which i think watching it and then watching the game again on video having seen it in person and watching it on video uh, it, it was more to do with Richmond's defending than poor any any poor quality on Madison's part. Richmond, their their backline was was 
for the most part, right up until the 50th minute, which we'll talk about soon, uh, were very disciplined, stayed in their lanes, um, you know, kept their marks and, and were able to, to sniff out and, and basically did that kind of the bend don't break thing where they, um, mm. uh, you know, kind of didn't, I wouldn't say they parked the bus or anything, but they did stay home and were able to just snuff out that last pass and, and, and either block the last shot or intercept the last pass before a manager could get a shot off. So it was, um, you know, Richmond, like I said, defended really well. And on the other end, so did Madison, uh, which resulted in a really back and forth um, mm-hmm. scrap between the boxes, which was, which, which, as you said, for me, at least for a soccer nerd was really entertaining. Madison all season to me, we, we talk about box to box. We think this is the most talented team in league one. Um, yeah. So when, when you have that sort of talent in the midfield, it makes more sense, I think, to sort of work your way up the pitch yeah. when you're attacking, you know, be methodic, be, be smart. Um, they were lumped a lot of long balls uh, early mm-hmm. on. And Which, that's not yeah. necessarily to me, their MO. That's not, that's not something that I think they're going to find much success in if that's sort of the route they decide to take. Um, I understand. And it, as, as we mentioned, it's not like Richmond was sort of high pressing and you can in behind doing that. Right. Um, they were, right. they were they staying were... home just like Madison was for the most part. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those line balls were either like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to lump it. Or uh, they were trying to stress the stretch it yeah. out and, and like put it, you want to put it in Richmond's head that any, uh, any of us can shoot at any time, first of all, but also, yeah. um, you know, we, you can't, you don't want, you want to put it in Richmond's mind that they don't want to push too much forward either because we're going to lump a long ball behind you. So because mm. the goal that Madison did get did come from one of those long balls. Uh, so, you know, maybe it was, it was just, maybe it's a, one of those, I don't know. You were trying to ha- they get did. your opponent yeah. to think, to overthink things a little bit um, by, by doing that. But in any case, um, you know, like going into halftime, it's zero, zero, you're feeling okay. Uh, a little bit worried that this might end up being another draw <laughs> just because it was a genuinely, yeah. it was a genuinely even match. So this one, yeah. I would have, you know, a draw would have actually been an okay result just because it's like, you know, these two teams are just really evenly matched. Yeah. But then in the 50th minute, this to me, talk about great defense from both sides all match long. Uh, to me, Richmond blinked in a major yes. way defensively yes. on the, on this particular yep. play. Uh, yep. Malloy wins the ball, uh, gets it to Cyrus Rad on the left, eventually ends up with Keegan, just across midfield. Uh, it's two on five at this point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Keegan, Keegan and Sierkowski are the only blue shirts in that half of the field. And mm-hmm. there are five red shirts right there. Now, you see a lot of guys sort of converge on Keegan. That, to me, is not the mistake. The mistake right. nope. is Sirikowski standing on the six and there is not a Richmond stop. defender in sight, like yep. just unmarked. How does yeah. that's, that's like, in, you know, in a, it's NFL opening weekend. Uh, that's like <laughs> when there's a blown coverage and a tight end is just standing all by himself in the middle of the end. Zone. Right. Like that's yep. just how it is. That was a major breakdown from Richmond. Again, they defended well all match long, but man, mm-hmm. and I mean, I feel like you or I well, get the score from there, Rob. Yeah, probably. Um, the the you watch Sierkowski kind of you know running parallel with Keegan, kind of not not even running fast or anything, just kind of jogging. And 
uh, Ivan Magalas from Richmond like thinks he's got it marked and then turns to watch the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sierkowski just drifted away from him. And he's in, mm-hmm. and Magalas is still standing there watching the ball. And then Keegan, big credit to Keegan, he's got four red shirts around him. And he, and w- one of the things he does so well is operate in that really tight space. So he's got these guys converging on him and he still manages to squirt a little square ball out, you know, to, mm-hmm. to look up to see Sierkowski standing there all by himself and, and shoot a, a nice little perfectly weighted square ball over to him. And Sierkowski just took one touch, popped it up and hit it on a half volley. And um, with a great deal of authority, right past mm-hmm. Fitzgerald, uh, you know, and, and McAllister just didn't have time to recover. And like you said, you, you know, you don't take anything away from the finish, but th- that was Richmond's Richmond blinked. And the question is, every defense, every defensive line, every defender is going to make like one mistake. The question is, do you capitalize? And yeah. a lot of times, Madison doesn't capitalize. So they'll, you know, but mm-hmm. this time they did. And then the rest of the match, you know, there's 40 minutes left and you got to make it stand up. And they did. And Rob, not to pat myself on the back again, but this yep. is what happens when you put a crap ton of goal scorers all at once. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's, that's why everybody's converging on Keegan. If he had one goal on the season, nobody, that, that would not happen. Right. But because exactly. he has been so successful and because he has been one of the uh, consistent goal scoring threats for forward Madison this season that is why there are you know uh, there's 22 well, defensive eyeballs 11 of those eyeballs are on Jake Keegan when he has the ball right but he's been a consistent uh, goal scorer in this league for three years yes not just yeah, for Madison this year that's 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 correct these same guys he's, were playing Greenville last year and the year before that so they know Jake Keegan and so they mm-hmm. like you say they just like okay we're not gonna let this guy shoot uh, yep. <laughs> and instead he finds Sirkowski on the other side which is fantastic speaking of Sirkowski uh, don't like now, but Sirikowski is now second on Ford Madison on the Ford Madison team in goals. Well, he's tied for second with Gebhard. This is yeah. second for Ford Madison. He had two before that, so he's now has four goals on the season. Yep. Um, so he's now tied for second, uh, second goal in three matches for Sirikowski too. So um, yeah. he has been a very um, welcome addition to that attacking third for forward Madison. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned it in some of the media scrums and conversations you had with Carl. He's like, we, we may go out and get another guy. And they found a guy to get, and he they has did. been producing. He has. And I, I asked Carl about him after the match, and, and he praised him not only for those two goals, in those you know two goals in three matches, uh, but also for his moving off the ball. And just the fact that he's just a massive, you know, he's just a big presence. He's a big guy. That's one of the reasons they got him is to go along with Josiah Tribbingham, who also <clears throat> came in late in the match. Um, you know, he just takes up a lot of space. He takes up a lot of attention and, um, you know, moves well off the ball. He's, he's experienced. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's got, he's a, he's crafty, uh, you know, so mm-hmm. I think um, he'll be a really valuable piece for the, for the stretch run here. Yeah, uh, I have to imagine, um, you know, all of the the T-shirts and four Madison merch that that fans have been been uh, buying this season. The collars must be very loose because the <laughs> ends of these matches, Carl or Rob, every single one of them has just been excruciating. Yes. And that is how it was on Saturday, too. Yep. I mean, really we we asked Aaron about this is like what does this team have to do to win by more than one goal because just let us relax at the end of a match <laughs> i don't know i don't know if we can do a month and a half of this rob to be honest i mean I it is I... just gritting your teeth 
like chomping your nails down to the uh, down to the, the base. And, 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 when, and, when uh, I'm, and when I'm there and when I'm at the match and thinking about, okay, I'm going to have to go talk with Carl and Phil and Ryan and whoever. And I'm like, is this going to be a happy conversation or is this going to be another like, <laughs> how did we let that one slip away? <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. So when you're a media member, that's honestly one of the big things that you're thinking of. It's like, if they blow this, this is not going to be a great conversation after the game. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like because those are those are some of the worst conversations after either a really bad performance or a blown lead or, or whatever it is giving up a late goal um, those are some tough conversations to have after the match with the coaches but uh they hold on um it was scrappy yep. for 90 minutes 90 plus oh, I and mean, this yeah. was just an absolute scrap the entire time um but yeah. it really shows that there are a lot of gritty teams league there are a lot of teams mm-hmm. that know how to grind out these matches. I mean, we've seen the parity in this league all season. I mean, I mean, even still, it's like third and ninth or or third and eighth or third and whoever is not North Texas. Um, they're, <laughs> you know, or, or no, excuse me, North Carolina. Sorry, not North. Yeah, yeah. My apologies, North Texas. Third and everybody but North Carolina are are, are within a few points. Yeah. Yeah, like two or three points still. And we're yep. mid September here. So that just shows yeah. you the parity that has been in this league. And there are teams that know how to grind it out, that know how to scrap, that know how to find a way to grab a point or three. Um, and yep. so you're really not safe at all in any match in this league, as we have seen all season long with the Mingos. But they do find a way to grind this one out themselves at the end. They found the goal, and then they sought out the rest of the match. Great defending for 90-plus minutes. They had to have mm-hmm. every single second of good defending. Because Richmond did have some chances there at the end, uh, set pieces, free kicks, corners, uh, but they defended them all well, and you come away with three, just huge. I points. mean, pivotal, pivotal points. Absolutely pivotal, and also pivotal was Phil Brino. Again, uh, he had that massive save in the first half. He had another big save on Emilio Terzaghi from zero yards out. Um, uh, that that Brino got his shins to. Uh, had a couple of great saves. Uh, in the second half, a couple pretty comfortable saves also, uh, but, you know, really, really excellent performance from him. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> you talk about the grit in these teams. There's a lot of passion there, too. There was there was dang near a fight at the end of this game, which you yeah. don't love to see. Uh, you don't love to see, you know, want to see everything be sportsmanlike and everything. But um, <clears throat> but these guys are in it, man. Their their hearts are in it. Their souls are in it. And and they're trying to they're trying to win it for their cities and for their clubs. So. Um, you know that that's the kind of thing you like to see, especially at a lower division, where um, it would it might be easy for you know somebody a, a pro to to not take this league as seriously, but they all do. They all just want to win. They want to want to bring a bring the uh, the bottle of Hennessy home. <laughs> they look like a team who understands how how important maximizing your points are the rest of the way. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean. Looking at the table, I've actually brought up the table. Actually, I have a, I have a uh, sticky note with the points per game table on my on my laptop here. So okay. you have Omaha first, one point nine four points per game. Chattanooga one point seven six. Now between Greenville and Madison, you got to go to the 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 thousandth of a point or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Greenville one four two eight, Madison one point four two one. That yeah. is kind of the 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 margin of error that you're working with here if you're a Ford Madison fan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you have Tucson right there in fourth, 1.38, and then Tormenta in sixth with uh, 1.21. So Madison sixth in the overall standings, um, fourth on percentage points uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, points per game standings. So, I mean, this this is it's been damn close all season long, and here we are. It doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. So, again, maximizing yeah. your points the rest of the way. you got to turn one point into three whenever you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we do have games in hand on everybody above us on the table except Omaha, which means which means we have, we're in the driver's seat, really. Like, More importantly, you know, Rob, I was looking. Tucson, who's right on your heels, you have three games in hand. Or no, no, sorry. Um, who's, who's right behind them in the regular standings? I'm looking at points per game. I don't have the regular standings in front of me. Uh, let me look. Because that's actually, to me, that's even more important because Madison is sixth in the current standings. That's right on the playoff line. And so, yeah, as clear and, as you can be uh, from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale is behind Madison. Madison's got 27 points in sixth place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fort Lauderdale is behind with 26 points. But yeah. as you mentioned, Fort Madison has three games in hand on Fort Lauderdale. That's crucial. Right? I mean, so, right, as, much, as much there. as we want this team, to get into a position where they're hosting a playoff game and climb the table yep. to me where they are in relation to that playoff line is the first thing I'm looking at. Yeah. How much of right. a buffer can you get? I mean, just get yourself in at this point. So and everything else to me is gravy. Yep, exactly. So you, but then we've got, so we've got basically over the next what month and a half or so, we've got two or three extra games to play as compared to those several of those teams ahead of us and those teams right behind us. Mm-hmm. But as, uh, as Aaron will mention shortly, uh, you got to win those games. Like that's yeah. the, that's an opportunity for you to, to control your own destiny and just worry about yourself, yep. take care of your own business and not have to watch other games on the table. Uh, but then, but then you got to do it. You got to take care of business in those games. And if you do, you know, there's, it's realistic that Madison could wind up the season in third which would mean hosting a playoff game, at least one playoff game, which would be Let's circle game. back to the game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, what is what is League One going to do officiate? Because my goodness, I don't, I don't like to harp on the refs. I am Ben's somebody who does not like harping on the refs or blaming refs or anything like that. Um, I was with a bunch of Vikings fans on Sunday, and all I heard for the rest of the day was how the refs screwed them over. Um, but um, it's easier to objectively on the when you win. As a, uh, yeah, as objectively as as I could possibly be, the refereeing in League One, not just in these Madison matches, but it has been league wide, yeah. has yep. been below par at best. Something's got to something's got to give here because quality of play is so good. Every, Everything else, the, the broadcasting, the quality of play, the way the accessibility of these games, everything else is rising in this league. But it seems like the officiating is getting worse. Yeah. I, I, maybe maybe the quality of play is is showing the how maybe the refs have been this bad all along. True. <laughs> With the quality of play is coming up. But, uh, but it's almost like it's like, you know, we talked about the pace of play. It's like the referees are not keeping up with the pace of play. And they're and either they're caught they're either they're throwing a yellow card at everybody, or they're forgetting the basic rules of the game and not uh, calling not calling anything. Um, and uh, on Saturday, uh, there were at least two that I can remember 
where there were like blatant jersey grabs mm-hmm. that were either that that one of which was not called at all, one of which is called, but there was no yellow card. Uh, grabbing a jersey to impede forward progress is a yellow card. It's just there's that's not mm-hmm. negotiable. Uh, that, and then in see, the that's minute, me, Rob. There is zero. It seems like this. There's zero of a what's a foul and what's not a foul. But what's even yeah. worse is what's a foul and what's a card. What's a foul and right. what's a yellow? What's a yellow and what's a red? Like to me, there is just no sense of determining the the severity of, of these yeah. of these right. contacts. Yeah, and they just it seems like there's 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 just no clue. Yeah, and there's no consistency and no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, and then the, mm-hmm. the other more egregious instance on Saturday was Tyler Allen um, had a great run. Uh, he came on as a, a sub and, and played really well, as he always does as a sub. Um, but he was storming forward and then cut across the top of the box. And um, and he was looking to get the ball to Jake Keegan. And um, Chris Cole from Richmond just threw an elbow into him and, and he went to the ground. Like he wasn't a mm-hmm. uh, might have got the ball. It wasn't a tr- tangled legs. It was an elbow lifted into Tyler Allen's chest to put him to the ground. And Jake Keegan, incidentally, mm-hmm picked up the ball and got a really nice shot off. <laughs> so it might've been, yeah. it might've been a mute point anyway, but it was just, it was just blatant and egregious that it wasn't, uh, there's was no foul yeah. and no, it should have been a penalty. Um, but again, it's easier to criticize the referees when you win. Cause we're not grousing about the result. We're just saying that that mm. impacted the, it impacted the game. It impacted the, the enjoyment of the game for us. And it impacted the, mm. uh, you know, probably did impact the result. We probably should have won by two. Because we should have had a penalty there in the seventh yeah. minute. I think I think Pro needs to look at this seriously. Look at this and say how how can we? Because yeah. obviously League One is the bottom tier that they cover, so they're probably going to put their le- less experienced officials in League One and let them work their way up. That that theoretically makes sense, but it is also a slap in the face to this league if you have officials out there who just don't have a freaking clue. And that's what it seems like right now. Yes, it is what it seems like. And I think they're going to, I think there's been enough reasonable commentary that it's not just fans of teams who lost, but people mm-hmm. who know this game making reasonable commentary that the refereeing is, that the officiating is just not up to par. And it's not just Madison fans, mm-hmm. it's all across the league. So I think they're going to have yeah. to, you know, look seriously at, at um, some improvements going into next season. Yes. But, um, you know, we will probably continue this conversation on future episodes of Talking Fly. But for now, we digress. (laughs) Um, Let's go around the league real quick because some, I mean, like we said, this has been really good play across the league all season long. It's been hyper competitive. And I mean, you see one goal matches pretty much across the board uh, when you're looking at, aside from a couple, um, really competitive play in the league this this season or this, this weekend, this past week, I should say. Yeah, and and these results, some of these results actually helped Madison quite a bit, uh, so it's good to know. Um, but looking back to uh, midweek last week, Chattanooga continues their um, dominance of this league, honestly, uh, with a 1-0 win over North Texas, mm-hmm. and also continued in that match, the late dramatics. That was a 0-0 game until for 93 minutes, so Jimmy Villalobos uh, finished it with a winner in the 93rd, and then North Texas dang near got an equalizer in the 95th minute. So that was a wild finish yep. there. Uh, then then Saturday, uh, Greenville 
one nil over Chattanooga. Uh, this one finished ten versus ten. Chattanooga's wow. uh, uh saw a straight red twenty five minutes in. It was an egregious studs up foul to a guy's gut. It was terrible. And then um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Greenville got a goal shortly thereafter. And then our old friend Don Smart got two yellow cards in the span of about five minutes in the second. Oh my <laughs> god! So. That finished ten ten. It was finished with a Greenville uh, one win over one nil win over Chattanooga. Uh, Saturday, North Carolina keeps rolling with a four one win over New England. Um, this was a long time long you know, veteran uh, midfielder Nazmi Ab- uh, Abdullahi um, had announced his retirement um, mm. that he was going to retire and this was going to be his last game and he scored twice. So. Great hey, for good him. for him. That's awesome. I mean, that's definitely yeah. somebody. I mean, we talk about it every week. Kind of this sort of um, emphasis on youth and emphasis on development that North Carolina mm-hmm. is starting. And I think you know North North Texas obviously being in the FC Dallas system and, and different things like that. I think you're going to start see that emphasis continue to um, get greater and greater um, as we move further down the pyramid. Um, you know, League One. Um, you know, a lot of the teams aren't there yet. Obviously, this league is only three years old. That makes sense, but. Um, it's kind of starting to pay off for Carolina a little bit. I mean, they've been yeah. getting results lately with some of these younger guys on the field and a guy like uh, Nazmi Abdawi. I mean, he's a guy that these guys probably look up to. He's probably that leader in the yeah. locker room and to, to kind of put it into practice and kind of lead by example there and uh, score a brace on your way out is really cool. Yeah. Connor Tobin had some really nice things to say about him too. They played together when Connor was in North Carolina you know, a few years ago. Uh, also Saturday, Tormenta uh, with a big win over North Texas. Um, North Texas had the better of this game, 64% of the possession, but Tormenta scored twice in two minutes, uh, mm. right about the half-hour mark, and that was all they needed. Uh, also and also Saturday, this is incidentally the first time ever, I think, that this league had six games in the same day. So these are all Saturday wow. games. Uh, Omaha continues its winning ways with a 2-1 win over Toronto. Uh, Devin Boyce uh, scored six minutes in. Uh, and then Luke Singh equalized, and then um, Omaha had the winner late in the second half. Uh, John Skears had that one. And then uh, wrapping it up, Tucson, uh, the 3-0 win over Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Derek Korf had the brace. That's just, this one was, that was a pretty one-sided game, uh, Tucson over Fort Lauderdale. Hmm. A couple big wins for those uh, playoff bubble teams, Tormenta and Tucson yeah. um, yep. there on Saturday. There's a couple of huge results. Um, they were again, they're both right there behind Madison in those points per game standings. So, yep, for sure. Uh, we will, uh, I mean, it's going to be entertaining the rest of the way down the stretch, uh, for sure in League One. Not just that, not just as forward Madison's concerned, but if you look at the league wide, you know, that playoff race is going to be thoroughly entertaining. Um, so we're going to take a break here, talk to Aaron Malloy, a great conversation, stick around for that, but also stick around after. Uh, we're going to preview what's coming up for Forward Madison, give our full Mingo shout-outs, and then Rob is going to give us all an education with a full Mingo fun fact. That, of course, after Aaron Malloy. Hope you enjoy our, our interview, and Rob and I will be back on the other side. All right, we are now live with the USL Player of the Month. He is having one heck of a year. Uh, we have sung his praises quite regularly here on the podcast each and every week, so it feels right that we have him on. Of course, Mr. Aaron Malloy. Aaron, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. 
Well, doing well is a great way to, to describe the season you're having so far. You're first here in Madison. So just give me a sense about how you're feeling personally. It seems like you're pretty locked in. Uh, you've had a couple of really great goals. Um, you've been a, a big factor in the four Madison attack all season long. Yeah, confidence is really high coming off a win there the weekend. Um, and just want to finish strong. I want to do what I can to help the team and, and the best of my ability. And, and and that's my goal. My goal is to finish as high up at the table, get a home draw um, for playoffs, play in front of the Madison fans for a playoff game would be absolutely amazing. So, yeah, that's where my mind's at right now. Mm-hmm. Now, the you talk about the fans. Uh, the Obviously, the club had kind of a rough month, a rough couple of months even. Uh, but in, in August, like the fans still come out and vote you in as player of the month. How did, you know, knowing that these guys are behind you, win, lose, or draw, or draw, or draw. <laughs> what's the, what's that feel like for you as a player? No, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, week in, week out, every single home game, it's it's, it's an absolute blessing to play in front of the crowd. Um, I'm sure teams that come and play in Madison, they love, hey, coming here. They, <laughs> they love coming here because there's so many fans, but they hate coming here because how loud the flock is and how, how important they are to us as a team. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what what you you what you bring to the club? I mean, obviously, we, this is your first year here, but what's you know, and and taking on this that very specific, very pivotal midfield role. Uh, what's your philosophy in that role? And is that is that kind of the position you've always you've just kind of grown into? Um, no, I've I've actually changed positions as I as I got older. When I was very young, I was a winger, striker, um, out in the street, just wanted to do lots of skills. Um, <laughs> As I got older, I became fair and fitter, became a number 10, box to box, and um, realized the most, um, the best position that suits me is a six, and that's what I think personally. Um, but yeah, I just want to be the, the guy who connects the dots, um, brings, um, go through the middle tour, get our, our creative players on the ball, and, and, and be composed in there. Um, that, that, that's what I want to be. Now, obviously, Aaron, you're originally from, uh, from Ireland, so give us a sense of uh, you know, what's something about Ireland or maybe Dublin specifically that Americans might not know? It could be about the soccer scene. It could just be about life, society in general. Uh, just give us give us a sense of, uh, you know, uh, what it was like growing up and maybe something that, you know, we might not know here as Americans about about that area. Yeah, um, I grew up in the city centre, north, north in the city of Dublin. Um, it was, it's, it's like the pretty much one of the only major cities in, in Ireland. So uh, it was, it was, it was important and vital to me as being having a goal as being a professional soccer player um growing up um didn't matter what gender how old everyone just had a soccer ball and that's all they wanted to do from the time they woke up to the time they went to bed um every other street every other corner there was gold spray painted on the walls there was jackets put down for goals um yeah and that's what brought us all together it's, it's what brought the community together was 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 sports and and soccer in general football in general um, so yeah, I'm, I mean that's all I've I've been doing since I was a, I was a kid. My dad played pro, um, so yeah, before school, half an hour before school, he'd wake me up early, he'd kick me out, whether it was raining or not, um, <laughs> kick the ball against the wall at seven a.m. in the morning, waking up my neighbors. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was that, that that was amazing. It's something that I would never change. Um, growing up, and it, it didn't change up until I was I was eighteen and, and nineteen, moved away to America. Just it's great seeing all these kids out on the street playing football. Um, and I think that was pretty much it. It was mostly just soccer. There wasn't really other sports that uh, others played. It was, it was, I mean, it's pretty cheap in Ireland. You grab a soccer ball for 10 euro and you have that for three, four months and, and you're, you're, you're just happy as Larry. So um, yeah. it, was, it was amazing. 
Uh, can we talk a little bit about that transition to the United States? You actually played professionally for a season before you came over here, did you not? With- I did. Yeah, I did. I, I played for my local professional team for the, their youth ages for, for three years. And I had another year left to play um, at U19 level. Um, mm-hmm. But I had a really good year. I felt strong. I felt confident. I wanted to make the transition into the pro levels. I, we won the league. Um, I was captain. Um, so the, my local team, they wanted to give me a, a professional contract, but play for the reserves. And it's not, I really wanted to challenge myself. So I spoke to um, to a guy I knew. He sent a couple of guys out from the second division in Ireland, came out and watched me play. I had a couple of different different offers. But at the time, I really wanted to go to the States. So I couldn't really sign a professional contract. But what I did, I signed an amateur contract and played professional. Because um, obviously, with, with skill and that, it was something that was in the back of my mind. And I just wanted to be safe rather than sorry. And, and I'm happy how it turned out. Um, played with Drotty United. Um, absolutely loved it up there. It was amazing. And they gave me the opportunity. And I went into preseason. Um, wasn't really expecting to, to play that much. And I had a really great pre preseason. I think I played 14 out of 15 games um in the league and then the guys went on to be promoted that year to the first division and then you came over and you played at, at kaiser university for one year and then penn state for three is that right yes sir yeah i mean um alan mccann who was a huge influence on me still speak to him every week um he was an assistant coach for kaiser he was a head coach for reading united um irish lad from the northern city too um I had no idea about D1, D2, JUCO, NCA, NEIA or anything. All I knew is that I wanted to be around him. I wanted to be around as many Irish, English people as possible. I felt very comfortable that way. Um, and it was a very small school in, in, in NEIA, West Palm Beach, Florida. I think there was 800 to 1,000 students. Um, so I was kind of learning and I was learning as I was going. Um, and before I got down there, I remember Alan giving me a call and saying, I'm going to kick you out after year one. And I'm like, I haven't even gotten there and you're already kicking me out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I had a really good year, um, played PDL, had a couple of big schools, had Villanova, um, Syracuse Way, I believe, and Penn State um, came to visit, and Penn State were the first people to bring me on a on a tour around the school, and, and after that tour, that's the place I knew I wanted to go. Um, I stopped talking to the schools and um, put all my eggs in one basket, and I'm happy that it worked out. It did. You had, I mean, you were captain there for a couple of years. You were all conference honors. Um, obviously, uh, some success there and enough success to get noticed and drafted uh, in the MLS Super Draft and then to play for Portland Timbers, too, right, in the USL Championship. Uh, so what's the – what were the – was anything different from – I know college soccer, there's some, some differences in terms of, uh, you know, the clock and the overtime and stuff, but – but you know, between the lines, is the game any different when you go from Penn State to Portland to Madison? Um, it wasn't a drastic change. Um, I mean, the Big Ten is a very physical league. Um, so making that transition over, the physical was, I wasn't that much different or that much demanding on, uh, for myself personally. I always like to take care of my body, um, go to the gym, do all the right things. Um, and I always knew my soccer, my, my, my playing ability. I was very confident that no matter what level, I felt as though that I was go to, I knew I'd be able to hang with, with the best of the best of the guys that were I, I was put in and around. So um yeah, the, the, I didn't think the, the jump was, was too drastic, but there was a couple of weeks where um heading into it that I, 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 I confidence grew and grew after a while. But yeah, now I'm very very pleased how it worked out. Yeah, you've had a really good first year in Madison here. 
Um, I'm curious, like what exactly brought you here to Madison? Um, you know, how did you make that transition from Timbers to here to the Mingos? And what were those initial conversations like with Carl Craig? Yeah, I mean, um, Forward Madison came up actually um, over a year ago when I was at Portland Timbers. Um, they were always just talking, doing little bits and pieces and, and, and showed a little bit of interest in me. And from there, I've always kept an eye out on the club. Um, so this was probably uh, March last year, 2020. And um, at the end of the season after Portland, I, I, I realized I wanted to try something different. I wanted something new. Um, I spoke to Carl and, and, and Carl absolutely... Once I spoke to him, I knew this is the place I wanted to go. Um, the way he wanted mm -hmm. the six to play, the way he wanted the team to play. Um, he talked to me about the community, he talked to me about the fans, about, talked to me about the stadium, talked to me about about Madison. Um, and I, I just couldn't wait to get here. And what have your impressions been of Madison, both the club and the the city? I mean, you've obviously you had a few months here now. Um, um, how do you like it? Do you, do you even get a chance to see the city much at all? No, no, I have. I mean, the, the club is absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it's I think it's the best uh, club in, in League One, hands down. Um, from from the players, from the the staff, from the fans, everything. I feel is so second to none. Um, and the city, the city is absolutely amazing too. I've uh, been on the lake a few times. Went down to Stage Three with a couple of the guys, grabbing some food. Um, but yeah, my my alma mater is Penn State, so I, I don't want to talk too much about about <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, and give it too much props. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Very good. So back to the pitch here. Um, do, do you think this win on Saturday, after a, a you know a, a tough stretch, and but then you get a little a little unplanned break for a couple of weeks? Uh, now you got to win uh, a good you know pretty convincing win on Saturday. Does that Turn things around. Are you, is it nowhere but up from here? Do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. We 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 know the results haven't been totally in our favour, um, but that just gave us fire in the belly and ready to push on. Um, the three points weekend was absolutely massive, um, and we're looking to build on that. We don't want to rest on our laurels. We want to look at video. How can we improve? How can we get another three points in Toronto? Come back, we get Greenville. So. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the league is super toy, as you can see. We got a couple of games in hand, but. With those games in hand, we we gotta win them. We gotta we gotta make the most out of them. Um, yeah, and we're we're feeling confident. We're super excited about this last ten games of the season before playoffs. Um, so yeah, super excited. What does this team have to do? Do you think to win by more than one and and, and spare us all our sanity when we're watching corner kicks in the 89th minute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a good question. I mean, if I knew that, I'd let the guys know too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's professional football. I mean, you're one nil up with a couple of minutes to go. You're, you're trying to hold on to the lead as much as possible. I know there's been a couple of games this year where they, where the team we've conceded the last ten minutes, five ten minutes, and and trust me, we've we've gone over it. We we want to do better. Um, those games where we concede in the last couple of minutes for a draw, they they hurt like a loss. They really do. Um, knowing that three points are so close away, so um, yeah, what's what's definitely something that we've 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 looked we looked at. Um, really appreciate your time. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here pretty soon, but uh, I just wanted to ask one thing about, you mentioned your dad was a footballer. Uh, and back in June in the forward Madison supporters, Facebook group, there was a post that said, hi, all could someone give me the stream to watch the game? I'm Aaron Malloy's mom and I can't find it. Thanks. And, <laughs> and then uh, our friend, David Magnus, the Flamingo, 
invited her to join the Zoom watch party. So I wondered, first of all, did she ever find the stream? <laughs> and is she able to watch from Ireland and actually join the Zoom uh, chats? That's actually hilarious. She never told me about that, actually. Oh, so really? I'm going to have a word about it tomorrow. I'm trying to keep that oh, quiet. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It is yeah. uh but she has been able to watch you then, right? Can you Yeah, confirm? she has no uh, she she has. Okay. She loves our, our, our um a red wine on a Saturday night, uh staying up late watching the game because I think it's like one AM, twelve yeah. PM back back in Ireland watching the game. So yeah, she uh she definitely watches it, but I don't know how much she actually remembers. <laughs> well it's 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 lovely to have supportive fun. My, my my parents are I'm forty seven. And my parents still like, hey, I saw you on the news, or hey, I listened to your podcast the other day. So, very nice. That's very awesome. Nice. <laughs> Aaron, I got one last question here for you. And again, we really appreciate the time. We, we've talked about kind of well, every week on this podcast, but also in, when I introed you, we talked about kind of how much success that that you've had in the attack for for Madison. You know, being a being right there. You know, plenty of assists, a couple goals. You're doing all this from a defensive midfield position. You kind of alluded to this. Uh, when you talk about your conversations with Carl about how he likes to play and how that fits your style, um, you know, is, is that really kind of how you play the defensive midfield is sort of be out in front and be on the front foot and, and have that role in the attack. And in the same sense, you know, when you do that a lot, do you find it more difficult or do you get anxious when you need to be on the back foot, maybe defending more? How does that work? How does that sort of play itself out? No, no, I'm, I'm I'm very comfortable defending. Um, I feel as though I've put in a lot of mileage when I play. Um, yep. I'm not scared of a tackle. Um, I mm-hmm. like the physical battles out there for sure. Um, but yeah, I I think a lot of, a lot of teams, a lot of people, they definitely look at my ability on the ball. Um, but I'm just as confident not having the ball too. Um, mm-hmm. getting the guys going, talking to the people in front of me. Um putting in tackles like growing up in Ireland we played 5v5 and it, it plays smaller than my bedroom so um <laughs> everything's super physical um yep. and yeah no I'm, I'm I'm definitely confident both ways and um being on the front foot my goals are always being either PKs or from distance um so it's not like I'm leaving suit like a big space in behind so we're susceptible to counter attacks I try uh, mm-hmm. I try minimize that as much as possible but also kind of keep them in um, in their final tour and, and get on the end of second balls. Is there something that happens when, when you hit a ball from, you know, 25, 30 yards out? Like, is there something like, like I remember when I used to play baseball and I don't know if this is a great comparison or not, but you know, it's like when you make contact, it's like that lasts forever. When you make really good contact, yeah. is that the same when your foot hits the ball and you know, it's going to be a banger in the top corner? Honestly, yeah, I've I've actually had a couple of those. Even at school, there was a couple of times where um, it was actually a funny video. I shot from like 40, 45 yards, and as soon as I hit it, all my teammates, they have their hands up in the air, but then their hands dead there. I went in, and they have their hands in their head then. It's actually it, it's pretty funny. But, yeah, it's just there's definitely times where I hit the ball pretty clean, and I just know, yeah, this, this is going to this is gonna go in. It's going to challenge the goalkeeper. I'm going to get something out of this, and it's very similar to what you said in baseball. As soon as it comes off, and you feel that connection, um, yeah, this this it's a special feeling. All right, All right well, Aaron Malloy, we appreciate it. We appreciate you dealing with Rob and I talking over each other. Uh, <laughs> and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. And uh, we hope to have you on again soon. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Speak soon. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. 
Huge thanks again to Aaron Malloy for giving us some time here, uh, recording this on a Monday evening. Um, really, really great conversation. We're glad to have him on. I mean, we have sung his praises pretty much the entire season. He's deserved it. Player yeah. of the month for my money. He's in the running for player of the year in league one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a good day and, uh, you know, talk about how he's feeling. Obviously his confidence is high with the seasons he's had. Yeah, for sure. All right, so next up for the Mingos, you're at Toronto at 3 o'clock on Friday. Actually, at Toronto, Toronto. Toronto up, up at their uh, at their home base there. Um, and then you're yep. back at Breeze to host Greenville for a monster matchup on September 25th. Now, That'll we have done a lot, Rob, where we're like, okay, we have the relatively easy one and then the one you got to get ready for. But you can't <laughs> overlook any matches at this point. Like, you can't really no. treat any match differently than the other, as we've seen. Because it's it, th- in this league this year, it d- just does not matter <laughs> where your no. team is in the table. It'd be it's a, a cliche that any that anytime you lace up your cleats, you can win or you can lose, and and I've never seen a league where that is more true, like literally true than this year. You you just never know who's going to win when you take the pitch any given day. Uh, so that that match at Toronto is huge, and then the match back here at Greenville or back here at Breeze against Greenville uh, also massive. Uh, but then there's four consecutive away games because th- we have two games that were rescheduled from earlier due to weather, Omaha and Richmond, both put in October. But there is a week and off in the middle there. So th- they're not those four games are all away, but they're not really packed tightly into the schedule. So it should be should be fine. Uh, but, you know, I mean, so even, it, even... It's, it's, it's nice that we're able to reschedule those games without without overstacking our midweek commitments. And even without the rescheduled games, I mean, they've they've been due some road games. I feel like they've been at Breeze <laughs> pretty much the all, all season yeah, up to yeah, this sure. point. Not too many road matches on the, on the schedule. So I'm sure they have they've, a reckoning coming their way. But they also, uh, they also played also, on the stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also played very well on the road, frankly. So I'm not I'm not concerned about them being road games, and I, nor, I, nor do I think uh, they are concerned about them mm. being road games, really. All right, full Mingo shout-out time, Rob. Um, I will go first this time around. I believe you went first last week. I actually don't know that for a fact, but we're just gonna we're just gonna pretend like that that happened. So, yeah, uh, my first fun fact, of course, or my first fun fact, my shout-outs. Uh, Ryan Sierkowski. I mean, we already mentioned mm-hmm. it. Two goals in three matches since being loaned to Ford Madison, um, tied for second with Derek Gebhardt on the team in goals this season. He had two before he came over. So four total goals on the season for Sirikowski. He has been everything we hoped he would be when he came over. Um, Kind of that offensive spark, that attacking spark, that goal scoring spark. Um, He's proved to be that through three matches and they're, they're going to need more of it down the stretch, to be honest. They sure are. Um, My first shout out on the exact opposite side, Phil Reno. Um, I've, you know, Mm -hmm. been critical when he's had bad games, but when he has a good one, man, I got to give it to him. Um, he had three really massive, important saves, two of them back to back, two of them like blistering shot. He parries it away. The, the rebound falls to Emiliano Terzaghi, who's like the one guy you don't want your rebound to fall to. And, uh, he still makes the save. Um, then he had the, also the big save, uh, very early in the match, um, to, to mm-hmm. keep it level and, and let Madison get going. So, uh, he earns team of the week honors for that performance and he earns a big shout out for me. Awesome. Uh, my second shout out, we already kind of alluded to it. Uh, the Minneapolis citizens 
uh, Minneapolis yeah. City Supporters Group. Uh, really good contingent came out for the friendly between the Mingos and uh, Minneapolis City um, on on a Tuesday night in the middle of the week. You know, that's a five-hour drive from uh, from Minneapolis to Madison. Uh, so really, really good to see that uh, Crow contingent, the Crows are their nickname, um, yep. out there um, out there in Madison for that one. And, you know, saw some videos and some pictures of the, you know, the groups getting together, you know, the flock and the, and the citizens sort of going out before the game together. And, I mean, it was just really cool to see those, like I said, those two worlds sort of colliding because it's been sort of uh, kind of a – a thought it's been sort of something like, Oh, that would be really cool if they could play together. Almost happened with the U S open County 20. Um, mm-hmm. They would have gotten together if Minneapolis city had won their opening round match. Of course that uh, didn't happen due to the pandemic, um, but yep. they finally get together and it was really cool to see those supporters groups finally uh, get a yeah. chance to hang out. I love it. That's what football is all about at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my second shout out is to Amelia chapel, uh, Mount Horeb soccer clubs, U 10 goalkeeper, Allowed four goals, but she had so much fun. Uh, this is my daughter, obviously. I'm t- coaching her U10 team, uh, and they had their first game of the weekend. And I have to give her a shout out because she was worried about playing goalie. She really wanted to, but she's a little worried. And after the match, um, uh, she came up and said, "Daddy, I was not scared of the ball." And nice. She did a really good job coming out, diving after, diving on people's feet, trying to. You know, get those bosses super strong. There you go. Love that. Uh, so fearless. Big shout out. Nine-year-old Amelia Chapel, who also came to the game with me Saturday night just to see the cows. You got to be fearless if you're going to play yeah. goalie. So that, that that's great that uh, she she took to it. Uh, my final shout outs, and this is going to either embarrass me or, or connect me with a lot of other people. Um, Ford Madison's marketing and partnership department, whoever they do to bring in the people to these games, um, they brought in one of my childhood heroes on Saturday Night Rob, <laughs> BDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Now, for those who don't know, I am actually a, like, that's like one of my things is I'm a big pro wrestling fan. Um, aside from soccer, like pro wrestling is one of my biggest passions. It, it, I, I just loved it since I was a little kid. Um, I was a huge WCW fan as a kid, uh, DDP. Uh, was of course a, a big time guy in WCW in the late nineties when I was watching as a kid. And uh, just, I mean, it's awesome that uh, they brought him in. He's doing his DDP yoga thing now, which is really cool. Um, it's awesome. Had that going at the game as well. Um, yeah. I'm really mad. That's I'm really mad. I didn't get to go. Cause that'd have been cool to meet <laughs> DDP, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. Another time. And and the, the next home game, they've got Jim O'Hare. You're going to parks and rec night. If you, if you're about yep. parks and rec, Larry, or Gary or Jerry or whatever. Jerry or Harry or whoever. Yeah, yeah. whatever they decide um, to call him. Yeah. Yes, his, his name changed over the course of the series. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. going to be, they have a Parks and Rec night, and he's going to be there doing meet and greet before the match, which is awesome. Um, awesome. My final shout out, I was trying to think of how to, who to shout out on the de- on the back line, on the defense. But I have to shout out the entire defensive unit or whatever, the entire team for defending really well. Because you also saw Derek Gebhardt, doing a lot of defending uh, mm-hmm. as he does, as he always does. We actually, actually, um, Craig, Carl Craig, you talked about, you know, you don't sub in a defender for a striker, but actually basically he kind of did. He put it in Josiah Trimmingham for Jake Keegan after the hour mark, just Jake had a great game, but with a one nil lead, he wanted to put somebody at striker who could also defend really well. And Josiah did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also Tobin was just a wall as he always is. Um, 
Leonard played great. Cyrus Rad played great. I mean, Leonard had just some incredibly key tackles that if he is off by an inch, it's a free kick 20 yards from goal. But mm. but because it's because he does it right, because he's a professional, he knows how to do it, he he stands up with the ball and we go. Uh, so the entire defensive unit to to keep a clean sheet against this Richmond side, really well done, um, and gets a big shout out. All right, Rob. Last but not least, as always, let's end this with a Flamingo fun fact, which this time has a bit of a trivia question attached to it. Partial fun fact, partial trivia question. Founded in 1993, the Richmond Kickers, who we're going to see twice more this year, and who we have the Handy Derby rivalry with. They are one of the oldest. They're one of the two oldest continuously operating professional soccer teams in the United States. Now we know about Portland Timbers earthquakes go way back, Tampa Bay Rowdies go way back, but those are all reboots of old teams from the seventies that you know mm. that went away for a while and then came back to join USL or to join MLS. Uh, so Richmond Kickers, though from twenty eight years uh, from nineteen ninety three, have been continuously operating in various leagues, but they've been continuously operating. There's only one other team that was founded that same year, 1993. That would be, that makes it the, the two that are the oldest. Do you know which one, mm. what team that is? I think that eliminates That's my, my question. Picks, man. Um, but I'm going to go with it because I can't think of anybody else, but I don't think they're actually operating anymore. Um, my guess would be the New York Cosmos, but I don't think they're operating anymore. Uh, no, they're not. And they were, they were gone for a while anyway. Oh, they were? They okay. I, had, I say yeah. I didn't know that. The, the correct answer is Charleston Battery. USL oh, Championship. Nice. They're still still plugging away in the USL Championship. Uh, also founded in 1993, right alongside the Richmond Kickers. Very, very cool. Well, uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a very fun fact. Very cool. I mean, I, that's something like I haven't really thought of because obviously you assume, you know, I, I guess MLS has only been around since the late 90s, but you assume that yeah. there have been a lot of lot more continuously operating clubs than just 1993 that shows you how, you know, especially relative to the rest of the world, <laughs> how new right. kind of pro soccer and successful yep. pro soccer is well, in and, America. And right? how pro soccer just almost went away entirely throughout the 1980s. Yeah. You know, it just was not existing in the United States for that period of time, which was pretty awful. But, but even you have like their San Jose earthquakes to use, you know, quakes, nine, quake 74 as their hashtag because like mm-hmm. the original earthquakes, you know, were. Mm-hmm. There in the seventies, and you got these great rivalries between Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers that go back forty years. But there were these periods of time when those teams weren't there. Uh, so no. it's, it's great to have those all those teams back. But it's also had, it's great to have these two lower level teams that have just been plugging away, going on thirty years now. Awesome! The great way to end this episode of Talking Flock. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as I mentioned before, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Flock. Follow Rob Chapel on Twitter at Rob Chapel two piece two L's three six five. Uh, you can follow me Jeremy Rushing at Jeremy G Rushing. We will catch you next week for another episode of Talking Flock. Till then, have a great week, everybody.